Hello, this is Black Country Blokes chewing the fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk, but in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. I've been here, just a black country bloke, chewing the fact about everything is mental health, health, disability, and everything in between. And it's with me, Kev Dillon, and my partner in crime, as always, Lee Cadman. And we're joined once again by the brilliant Dr. Lloyd. Thank you, brother, for coming back on. Anytime. It's a pleasure to be back. Thanks for having me. Now, we're going to be talking about health, especially prostate cancer, because we all know it's Movember. Um, but as always, we're going to start with our gratitude list, because I always like to remind ourselves to be grateful. Now, we had a great boxing show. We had our home show on Sunday. I'm grateful that everyone turned up. I'm grateful that everyone made weight. I'm grateful for my coaching staff. I'm grateful for my mom, Leslie, my wife, my daughter, who makes it. They do all the bits that the people don't see, do they? That's right. The running around, the everything. I was grateful for the crowd for being well behaved, and I'm grateful everyone went home safe and well. So, yeah, I'm grateful. What are you grateful for, bro? Oh, our meeting up last night, Kev. It's yeah, been it's a long, great, long time it? since we went out for a curry, didn't we, with, yeah. with the coaches and uh, your mom and dad and uh, John and everyone. And it was, I don't get, I don't go out very often, to be honest, and no. going out makes me realize how little I get out. Yeah, but it was nice and uh. Thankful that you did it at a reasonable hour. So I was back in bed by nine, which is even better. Well, it was nice <laughs> doing it at six o'clock because yeah. we'd be here anyway. Yeah. So it was nice. It was around the boxing time where you'd normally train. And it was nice. Those who didn't drink, didn't drink. Those who did. But it was nice just sitting there and breaking bread and having yeah. a laugh, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was really do enjoyable. Yeah. And Dr. Lloyd, what are you? Sorry, can I just add um, and thank you to your mum and dad for paying? Well, it was, the, yeah, brilliant as always. It's nice. As a thank you mm. to the coaches and the helpers and everyone else for the hard work that everyone does for nothing. Mm. Lloyd, what are you yeah, I think that's good. I mean, I, you know, goodwill is important to be grateful for, isn't it? And, you know, I think we all moan a lot these days about various things. Life's hard, but there's a lot of goodwill around. Mm. You know, I like to, I'm grateful for my work colleagues. They, they put up with me moaning sometimes and biting off more than I can chew. Um, and my family for putting up with me being absent a lot of the time or mm. taking a long time to get get back to text to go for drinks or whatever so yeah i'm grateful for goodwill and patience i think but we were talking about that off air wasn't we saying like we work our things to a bone and i work so hard so my children can have more than what i had and i work this so we can have the best house and you're thinking we make all this money but we can always make more money Mm -hmm. once time's gone it's gone hasn't he and what we should be doing is trying to yeah make a bit a book or two but make memories Mm -hmm. Because my mum always said, well, on her deathbed, she won't be thinking, oh, Bernard, how about that big telly we had? Or, oh, how about that car we had? It'll be when Kevin Rich and then mm-hmm. my daughter and my wife. It's the memories that we cherish in the very, very bad days, isn't it? Absolutely. And you hear a lot. I mean, some of them are quite old, aren't they? You're like Idioms like, you know, there's no pockets in a shroud and these mm. sort of things. And, and it's getting that balance right, I think. Mm. I think there is a pressure to work hard now sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've got children, there's a, there's a pressure to give them as much as possible. And I sometimes wonder if in society, some of that comes from the fact that you, you're always at work. Mm. So you feel guilty. So you want to buy stuff for your kids. Yeah. You know, and it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. yeah. And actually, like you say, most kids, they really don't care about that sort of stuff. They want you to be there. I remember wanting to be with my mum and dad when I was a kid. You know, yeah, yeah. you want presents. But it's not the be all and end all. Hmm. Well, I always said it was like it was, when it was a kid, it was keeping up with the Joneses. Now it's keeping up with Kardashians. <laughs> yeah. But on a bricklayer's brick wages, you know what I mean? No, no, I think it's true. There's a lot of pressure, and, and, and that isn't fair either, because I think, mm. you know, there are some people who are fortunate enough to earn enough money to be able to buy some of those things. But there are plenty of other people out there who work just as hard, but don't mm. earn the same level of money. I think it's important to remember that as well that, you know, Working hard doesn't always equate to wealth, or being rich doesn't mean you worked harder than somebody else. Yeah. Um, and I like to remind people of that because, you know, if somebody's worked a minimum wage job their whole life, they could have worked just as hard or harder than me. Yeah. You know, um, so I think value is important. Um, and the pandemic taught us that, but everybody seemed to forget it, didn't they? You know, all those people who actually probably are lower paid kept the country going. Um, people clapped for NHS workers and other things, and people very quickly forgot about the sacrifices those people made at the time 
100%. And we, yeah. And isn't it funny? I, I, I say this a lot on the shows. The pandemic was only the other year. It wasn't like it was in the 90s or the 80s. It's in living memory. Mm -hmm. And people are going, you know what? All I want for Christmas, see me mum. Is to give me Nana a kiss? I don't want, and then the next year is all I want is a Ferrari again, and all I want is a new. You think if this was only last year, guys, be grateful that Nan or Mom or old pals can break bread together, mm -hmm. sit in each other's hands, have too many to drink, give each other a kiss and cuddle. And in that remarkable, mm. in that the true meaning of family. Absolutely. I think we have become privileged, haven't we, that we've started to neglect those things and aspire to other other things that's really stuff. And you all see memes on Instagram, Facebook, don't you, and things. And I'm going to get this wrong now because I'm on here, but there's one that, you know, basically sums up when, when people start loving other people instead of loving things, the world will be a better place. And it's got a little bit like that, hasn't it, sometimes? We put more more into having that fancy holiday or fancy car or fancy whatever than you know that coffee with your friend or a pint with your mate or that cuddle from your nan and actually they are the real things in life aren't they yeah but that's what social media is showing you as well isn't it it's all it's just about what people have or what people are getting not what not sitting down with your friend and doing that you know it's all about this nice holiday this nice car this nice that here we are here we are, uh, um, be, uh, you know, on the beach and said, put your phone down and have a conversation with your missus. Enjoy the beach. Go and make some sandcastles with a baby. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Stop showing me in blooming Broly Hill mm -hmm. and spend your time <laughs> with those you're there with. Yeah, it's about being present there, isn't it? That is one of the, the flaws. I think there's a, a picture up of a concert in like the 70s and obviously no cameras around and everyone's just enjoying the concert and then a picture blow it of in like 2003 and there's not a single person who hasn't got the phone up to it and you just yeah what you're actually missing out on yeah you know absolutely it changes the environment and it's funny you say that because i read a, a there was a piece of research um sociological research that looked at this and apparently they discovered that people who go to a concert or a memorable event and spend time filming it and taking pictures remember less of the event than those that didn't Course, okay, yeah. um, you know, which makes sense, I suppose. Because you're mm. trying to get it, yeah, on you're not screen focusing, and... are you? Not yeah. in the moment, you're not experiencing mm. that time, and, and how sad that is, really. Because you all know if you've seen a what beautiful sunset and you take a yeah. picture of it, it always looks a bit rubbish, doesn't it? Mm. I wanted to say a different word then, but I know I'm not allowed to speak. Well, you you are, you sure, you are on, <laughs> on the radio, yeah, you're fine. You should have some of the guests we have on here, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, it, it never looks the same, and I think that's the same with experiences. and you know, hopefully, if you're lucky enough when you go to a concert, you're there with friends or family or whoever. And it's that, you know, shared experience together. And like you say, actually, if you're all looking at it through a lens, you may as well have stayed at home and watched it on the TV. Exactly that, yeah. You know, like yeah. when you say, like, we were too much. And I, I think it's on holiday. You're on holiday, whether it's in Butlins or the Bahamas. You'll see people answering emails for work. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, in, you know, back in the day, you'd have a house phone, but people don't come and curse. You don't phone after eight o'clock because that's their family time. Yeah. Nowadays, you're seeing people all the time, people to be email, people to be WhatsApp, yeah. people to be Facebook, and you're thinking, allow yourself to have that time to switch off, but I can't give, the job's got to get done. You're thinking, if you can't have a weekend or a fortnight, as long as your holiday is off, we're doing something wrong, aren't we? Yeah completely and you know I, i'm guilty of this sometimes as well i mean I, you know i've been fortunate to have a couple of holidays this year and the first break i went on i did do i went and logged on to sweat a couple of emails a couple of things i wanted to do um and i really regretted it at the time because i thought actually what, what you know what extra am i going to get for doing this mm -hmm. um and when i went on my next holiday i didn't do it but something has gone quite wrong and i feel that pressure to do it i feel that maybe i'm letting somebody down if i don't get the work done but but at the end of the day, that's a horrible thing about the corporate world. We respect them more than us. We get hit by a car tomorrow. They might put some flowers and maybe a couple of pounds in the tin. But we're very replaceable. Yeah, yeah. And that's the, the tragedy of it. Mm -hmm. Whereas our loved ones, we don't want to replace them. Mm -hmm. we, you know, if we're lucky enough to have someone in our life, mm -hmm. whether it's just a cat, you know, love that cat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Spend your time and effort because at the end of the day, we will be replaced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we will. Um, and, you know, people don't always remember the hard work people put in, do they? No. You know, it's it's easy enough to forget. And who's to say that we won't be replaced by AI or incarnations of it in, in, in the coming years too? Mm. You know, no matter how hard you worked, if, if they can get a machine to do it for free, yeah. 
we know what they'll pay do. it once mm-hmm. and you've got yeah. it then yeah. but i see this with the children though emily because obviously up at the boxing club all the time emily kids are having a nervous breakdown because they're having homework every night and a kid said to me and he says i love Saturdays, but sundays i start getting myself in a bit of a tease because i haven't done my homework and i've got to do my homework and if i don't do my homework the teacher will shout at me and sometimes give i don't know what they're on about and i'm going you're a 12 year old child you should do your work <laughs> and anything you haven't finished maybe maybe do it then but yeah. go and be a kid go yeah. boxing well, football you know, you know it it gives me a Sunday freaks me out because I'll start getting emails from the school now telling me that they haven't done my kids all of both of them do their own work they might leave it till the last day but it's always done and always handed in yeah but this, honestly I'll get te- texting emails days before mm. all this own works during three days all this own works during two days one day I'm like my god do you really need to do this <laughs> we're training our kids out of form but to work even when you're at home, at home yeah your home time should be I want to watch Mary Poppins. Yeah. I want to go, but it, that's your downtime. Mm. You know what I mean? To be a child, because all of a sudden you're a grown up, and it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> you will, yeah. You are right. I think again, it comes back to balance, doesn't it? I mean, it's important to obviously do well and all the other things that come through school, or at least enjoy what you enjoy, and make the best of it. But I do think there, there's overkill, and it's not just homework, is it? There's thankfully there's lots of options for after school clubs and different things. But again, that can, you know, you you get some kids who end up going five, six times a week, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've all done it, myself included. A few weeks ago, I've been away on holiday and I come back and I just spent the day doing nothing. Yeah, and I started great. feeling guilty about it. And I was just like, well, what, you know, yeah. it's a perfectly acceptable thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you if you want to lie, lie around in bed all day, why shouldn't you? Actually? Yeah. We, yeah. we are constantly on the go, constantly being bombarded, constantly probably, you know, being too hard on ourselves. Um, over many things. I heard a lovely saying years ago, and it was, there's a difference between busy and constructive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we feel like we've got to be busy. I read the same piece of paper over and over, but it's not going in. Instead of going, you know what? I'm going to go out, I'm going to walk the dog, I'm going to have a brew, I'm going to go boxing, I'm going to go and do whatever, then I'll come back and then you've allowed yourself to rest and you go, bloody hell, it's finally gone in. Yeah, completely. And it, it, and I suppose, I don't know why why we get so worked up about it. I don't know if you ever watched Brian Cox, you know, the... um. It's only a puppet. The physicist guy. I know. <laughs> I, don't know that, I don't know who that one is, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he do, he's, it's really good, actually. I'd recommend you watch it. I think it's on BBC. It's, it's a series on our solar system, and each one does does a different planet. Yeah. Anyway, by the time he gets to the last one, he, like, talks about the wider universe. And basically, like, you know, as an astrophysicist would, talks about that at some point in the very, very distant future, there will be nothing. The universe will end. And every single inch of memory that has existed will be erased. You know, even though we've got statues and we record things on our hard drives, it will be destroyed and no one or nothing will ever know it was there. And, you know, I know that's a crazy thing to think about. And it blows my mind. It's like we're all worried about all this stuff. And, you know, it'll be gone. And, and we we think we're more important than we actually are. We think, oh, I've got this spot. Everyone's going to look at me. And it's a, in the boxing world. When you put someone's head guard on in the corner, yeah. you can't hook it. And you're thinking, oh, everyone's looking at you. Uh-huh. No one gives a keeper's dick. <laughs> no one has even seen you worrying. But we make ourselves more important than we actually are. So just thinking, they haven't noticed. And if they do, it's probably another boxing man who's going, I struggle as well, mate, don't worry. And that's important, isn't it? Admitting our own shortcomings as well. Because I think that's part of the same thing. We we, we, you know, we all want to seem to be perfect or right or whatever. Um, you know, just e- even when I come in and I see that that camera's a bit, I was all raising up earlier in case I've got a double chin. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's vanity and, it, you know, it's a terrible thing, really, because we're all the same and we all struggle with things. And actually, if we're less hard on ourselves, we'll probably be a bit kinder and relaxed with other people. And that, in that interest, because the two biggest killers of men is prostate cancer and suicide. Mm-hmm. But to get them both seen mm-hmm. to takes an amazing amount of, uh, you know, vulnerability, mm-hmm. either to admit that me, this strong boxing fighting man, is having panic attacks mm-hmm. or depression, or I'm getting frightened, or the other one, uh, you know, finger up your bum, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like, I'm vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You're seeing me and my week. But a lot of time, having the courage and then pursuing the medicine, Makes you better. And we haven't got to lose people 
through the fear of feeling vulnerable, have we? That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's it's hard. And I think, I mean, we all know that men are less likely to go to the doctor than women. It's, it's a generalisation. There'll be some men who, you know, do the job perfectly and do what they need to do. And there'll be some yeah. women who, you know, avoid the doctors like the plague. But as a generalisation, we know that. And I see it in my practice, you know, I, I often see blokes who are like, now I'm only here because the wife sent me or I'm only, you know, yeah, that, that's yeah. quite, that is more common than you think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, under duress, I'm off there. I've, I've been told to, to do this. Um, and sometimes it might just be a subsection of the consult. Now, I've been told, I must say, I don't think it's anything but. Yeah. So we know that that's there. Um, and when it comes to prostate, I know that we, we were going to talk a bit about that. A lot of people, obviously, it's, there's an intimate exam involved or might be involved. It's even more scary. It's not just yeah. trying to get an appointment with the doctor, which I know is not easy these days. So you've got that. That's your first hurdle. But then when you're there, it's embarrassing. You know, the yeah. symptoms might be embarrassing because you're talking about your waterworks or something else and you're a bit not sure what's going on and you don't know what's going to happen. So it can just feel like, do you know what, I'd rather just ignore it and, yeah. and leave that. Um, and actually, we all suffer vague symptoms from time to time. And most of the time, those symptoms are fine. You know, you get a little twinge for a few days. You think, I'll just keep my eye on that and it goes away fine. Mm. But there are little symptoms or niggles that come on that don't go away. And, and this is when this sort of starts to happen that you need to think about, actually, do I need to see my GP? Do I need to speak with somebody? <laughs> oh. And it's not like asking your mate from down the pub to have a look, is it? No, and when you go to the pub, you're not saying, <laughs> I've just seen Kev then. Yeah. When you're, yeah. you're never with, oh, oh, Kev, okay, Kev, okay, Kev Dylan, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's probably not, not the way to go, but, no. uh, you know, each to their own. But it's professional, isn't it? And it's, oh, it's, and at the end of the day, you're there to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're not there to go with your mates and your doctors. Mm -hmm. You're there. It's all coming with something embarrassing, mm -hmm. which, I believe to be embarrassing, yeah. which isn't because we're human beings, yeah. things go wrong. It's to have it done. What, what, could you explain to me what the prostrate is? I can. Before, before I do the education a bit, yeah. I think I just want to follow up on what you just said because, you know, I know we say this all the time, but we, we hear and see a lot of different things as doctors. It's yeah. quite normal to us. And certainly symptoms to do with the prostate gland it's bread and butter work you know it's not going to raise raise an eyebrow for me at all mm -hmm. and you know we're bound by gmc regulations we take an oath mm -hmm. you know we we don't sit around and, and gossip or say or talk you know we're not we're not allowed to do that and to be fair we wouldn't anyway because like i said it's so bread and butter and so normal and even though i'll go on to this in more detail as we go along you don't go if you've got a problem with your prostate you don't have to have a finger up your bum yeah you know that's not a foregone conclusion so if that's something that if that's the main reason you put off going to the doctors discuss your prostate don't let it put you off you can go in and put your cards on the table and say oh, i don't want that and we can work around it but the blood tests are phenomenal now some of the testing isn't it well yeah i think sorry i, I wasn't dodging your question about the prostate no, i'll, no, I'll no, do i'll do the, the educational the educational course, bit yeah. um the prostate is is a gland that is sorry we're gonna no, cause, cause i know people who were very of an older generation mm -hmm. And they were very worried about the procedure. Let's yeah. Put it that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're going, oh, but someone else told my friend that he goes, you haven't got to have that now, old pal. Mm -hmm. It can be as good as they, they do tests for your blood and they can see if so-and-so is elevated or if so-and-so is down. Mm -hmm. And by looking at God, they found it mm -hmm. and they could deal with it. Wasn't it funny that embarrassment yeah. might have held him back, but an old friend saying, don't worry, you haven't got to. Mm -hmm. You can do this. Mm -hmm. It is true. I mean, I'll go on to each one in more detail because the prostate is a bit of a tricky one. Um, unfortunately, it's not it's not as straightforward as as us just doing blood tests and things. Mm. But but the gland itself is um it's quite a deep seated gland and it's at the neck of our bladder. So if you sort of think I probably can't do it on here, but you've got your sort of kidneys in your lower back if you like. They're there, and then there's a tube from each kidney in most people that goes down to the bladder, which is almost like a little balloon that holds the urine. And then there's a water pipe called the urethra that comes out through the penis or vagina and the gland's a bit like a walnut and it just sits at the at the neck of the bladder there um and the gland's main sort of functions are it helps to produce the semen mm. the fluid that sperm is in and it also assists with ejaculation yeah. um so it does have a function it's not a completely useless gland um anybody who's got the gland is basically anybody who who was born male so men have got the gland yeah. uh, trans women have got the gland so somebody who's non-binary who was assigned male at birth will have a prostate gland and yeah. some intersex people 
might have a prostate gland as well. Um, and I'm sort of saying that because, you know, we're talking in the context of men, but there are other groups of people who it can affect. Yeah. Um, and it is important to remember that if you are a trans woman, um, it could still affect you. Yeah, that prostate wouldn't have been removed even if you've had, you know, surgery. It will still be there. It's not taken away. Um, and there aren't many studies on much research. It looks like from some of the data that the risks are lower if you have hormonal treatment. But if you are in that category, then it is important that you still consider it as a risk. Um, and I always call the prostate um, God's cruel joke, if, you, if you're that way inclined. As men get older, everything shrinks. Your hair follicles shrink apart on your head. Apart from your ears. Yeah, apart from your ears. <laughs> and apart from your prostate. The sad thing about your prostate is it's in a place where there's got no room to grow. <laughs> and I think you probably remember I mentioned it's at the neck of the bladder. So in the middle of the prostate is that pipe where the wee goes through. Mm. So changes in the prostate can affect how you wee. Mm. Um, and that's that's important to mention here. Like it pinches, kind of. Yeah, it's well, that, that hole can get more narrow. It can start to change. Yeah. And often... As all men get older, the prostate will start to get bigger. Um, and that's a benign process. It, it's just what happens. The In some men, it can actually get quite big, and we call it BPH, or benign prostatic hyperplasia. Um, and we call it benign because it's not cancer. Now, classically, this is what causes the most waterwork symptoms because this affects the prostate in the area where the, the wee would go through, that urethra. And men might notice that they get enough at night to go for a wee more often, that when they go for a wee, it takes a while to get it going, or it takes a while for it to stop, or the flow isn't quite as good as it used to be, you know. Little subtle things that happen gradually over time. And they're important to get checked for, for three reasons. One, it might be annoying you and affecting your quality of life. Two, it's possible that prostate cancer could be causing that. And, and three, there are lots of things we can do to help and fix that problem. So we've got BPH, which is quite common and, and affects most men to some degree or another. That said, there are some men who will make it to 95 and still be able to win a weeing competition. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's one of the big things. The other thing that can go wrong with the prostate gland is something called prostatitis. It's an infection, really. Um, this is often commonly caused by water infections can cause this. Um, it might be caused if you've had a procedure. So if someone's popped a camera to have a look in your bladder. Um, and anal sex can also cause it because it can irritate the prostate. And that's normally treated with antibiotics. And then we've got the biggie, prostate cancer. Um, we worry about cancer, I suppose, because by definition, cancer are your own body cells that multiply out of control um, and can spread to other parts of the body, which is called metastatic disease. And, and, and often that's what leads to people's death, sadly. And uh, prostate cancer is pretty common. It's the yeah. most common cancer in the UK. Yeah, it's not the most common. One in eight yeah, in one the in UK eight, yeah. in the lifetime. Yeah. And currently 395,000 men currently have it. Yeah, so it's really important. Mm. And it's important to mention that the risk isn't evenly distributed as well. So um, one in four men who are from African descent, so black men, whether you're from Caribbean, Africa, um, or anywhere else in the world, there's a one in four chance. So that risk is doubled. Mm. Um, and is there any research why that, why that would be? or is it... um, There are lots of studies that look at it. It appears that there are some different responses to the levels of testosterone in the prostate. There might be some of the genetic factors as well. But it is an important factor because when we come on to discuss symptoms and other things, um, you know, your risk is going to be higher if you're in that category. Obviously, the other big risk factor is men who have got a first degree relative who've had prostate cancer. So that's uh, a brother or a father. And I think the risk's about two and a half times more. So it does do it up even more. And if actually, if you're black and you've got a brother and a or, or, or a father who's had prostate cancer, that those risks come together, you know, so it really pushes them up. Um, and that's important because I mentioned the prostate and symptoms. A lot of early prostate cancer won't have any. So a lot of prostate cancers won't immediately affect where that wee goes through. It'll be growing in another part of the prostate. So it'll be sat there doing its own thing. So you might have very subtle symptoms, but they could be mild. So if you're in those higher risk categories, it's much more important that you do speak to a GP. 
It's, my dad was diagnosed actually last year, so that's interesting to know that I'm at more at risk mm -hmm. because of it. Mm -hmm. Now, luckily, he's they're not doing anything, which mm -hmm. it, it shocked me when he told me that. I said, well, what you know, what's the treatment? What are you going? Well, nothing, because actually, with some people, obviously, they're monitoring it. Well, they're monitoring it, yes, but they're not yeah, actually treating yeah. anything. Mm -hmm. um, they just monitor him and and you know making sure it doesn't change. Um, but yeah, no some people don't need treatment at all do they and that's really important as well a lot of prostate cancers are actually best of cancers but they're probably not going to kill you and i suppose to put it bluntly they're that slow growing they're that they're that unlikely to spread beyond the prostate that something else will finish you off first before basically. yeah you know to put, to put it to yeah. put it the only way that i can um and and i think that is important to note as well because Actually, some men might be diagnosed with it, but it doesn't mean you're going to be subjected to this awful life of testing and other things. Mm. It might just be a bit of surveillance, which might involve a yearly scan and a blood test. It might That's just exactly be what exactly what is. I think yeah. it's six months, every six months. But yeah, yeah same, mm -hmm. same thing. Yeah. And why do they have the hormone treatment? Why do they have the hormone injections? So the prostate itself responds to the male hormone testosterone. Men and women do have that hormone, but women have it to a much less lesser extent, um, and testosterone actually causes the prostate to, to grow so if you've got a prostate cancer which is made up of prostate cancer cells even if that's spread beyond the prostate and it's sadly gone into the bones or wherever else um blocking testosterone can actually help to to shrink it down because it's not got the testosterone to fuel its growth so it doesn't cure it but it can certainly push it into a little bit of almost like remission, I suppose, for want of a better expression. Keep um, it at bay. Yeah, keep it at bay. And it can be quite successful. And whilst there can be some side effects to those treatments because your testosterone is being blocked, by and large, it's pretty well tolerated. Um, you're normally started by your specialist and have an injection in your GP every three months. You know, yeah. it's not too onerous. I like with the testing, because of the famous one, finger up the bum and is that just to see if it's enlarged or if it's angry or yeah so there are three main components really that we use as doctors or, or nurses whoever you go to see about it because you know we'll we'll do lots of different don't things. get your hairdresser about it though well, <laughs> <laughs> listen i know some hairdressers are very good you never know they might do a better job short back and toes have got a whole new meaning <laughs> probably not as long time for your appointment at the hairdresser <laughs> maybe that's where we should we should be training them up i'll tell you something i'll have to give ben more than 15 quid to do it though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look here, I'm sure Kim. there will be a fee. A fee. <laughs> hey, yeah, I'll give you 15 quid. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there, there are three sort of aspects. So the one thing we like we like to be fancy with our words is, is sort of the clinical history or the clinical diagnosis. So that's basically what you're telling me. If you come to me, Kevin, you're saying, you know, God, I'm up all night, win. It's been going on for months, um, you know. My, my dad had prostate cancer blah 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 you know that, that's the clinical bit that's what you've told me so in my mind i'm already trying to use my knowledge which is hopefully good enough to calculate some crude risk in my head you know what's going to be the problem here is this going to be bph is this going to be a water infection could it be prostate cancer and that's the easy bit going and talking is easy isn't it really yeah. you can have that done over the phone these days with your doctor that's not so bad feels a bit embarrassing but like i said we're used to it so really don't worry talking about waterworks i probably do three or four of those consultations a day um and then we've got blood tests and psa is something a lot of people are more aware of now which is great. Yeah. and it's prostate specific antigen i think not, it was formally sort of put into clinical use in 1980 um having been sort of researched on in the 60s and 70s and then they managed to work out and identify what it was. And it was initially used for monitoring the progress of prostate cancer. Um, so for many who were diagnosed with prostate cancer, they could use that blood test to see is the cancer getting worse, i.e. is that number going up, which suggests the cancer spreading, and they could impact and look at what treatment is. Um, we call these tumour markers um, a quite a sensible name. We often give things a terrible name, but PSA is a tumour marker in that sense. But more research was done and actually one of the theories was can we use it to screen men could we set up a you know a screening program a bit like the way we do cervical screening or breast screening mm. really useful study um and whilst it does have benefits it does turn out that psa has what we call some false negatives and false positives mm. so it can come back raised in men when there isn't any prostate cancer 
um, and sometimes it can be negative when there is. Mm. So it's not quite good enough to meet the threshold to screen because it's not so bad when you think of one individual, but up and down the country, if you know there's 10,000, 20,000 yeah. men suddenly that are being told they might have prostate cancer, yeah. it's very stressful for those men and they are and gonna the families and yeah, and they've got to go through more invasive treatments, which you know puts a strain on the NHS, it's unnecessary, it's a strain on them. And sometimes some of these things like a biopsy of the prostate carry risk, you know, there's a very small risk of death from those sort of things. So it's important that that screening test needs to be a bit more accurate but it's still really useful um and we recommend or the the government guidelines currently are any men man aged over 50 who we suspect could have prostate cancer or they're worried about prostate cancer can have a psa mm. the reason 50 is the threshold is under 40 prostate cancer is almost unheard of it's incredibly rare, vanishingly rare. And most cancers go up as we get older, but prostate really does. Um, and between 40 and 50, it goes up a little bit, but again, it's still pretty unusual. And then over 50, it starts to go up. And I think it peaks in the 70 to 79 group. So the reason why we want to target PSA is to avoid people getting false positives. There is some research looking at using PSA as a baseline in men. So looking at men having PSA done when they're in their 20s and 30s and then following them over time to see what happens, because that could provide useful data and make it a more reliable test. And uh, so there, those are three methods. So, sorry, I haven't quite finished that. Have I? So, yeah, you've got the PSA. And then the final one is the finger up the bum. Yeah. We like to call it a digital rectal examination. <laughs> if you call it what you want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we like to, like I say, we like to try and be fancy and make it, make it sound not as bad as it is. Yeah. It, it um, looks better on the form, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh... It does, yeah. It does look better. Um, and it's quicker to write. You can just put the No one knows what that means, so they get the internet. Oh, I'm doing it over that. <laughs> by the time you've squiggled it in your doctor's advice, <laughs> <laughs> um, it is it is a very useful tool actually. In yeah. insofar as um, you know, the, the prostate where it is is very difficult to get to, but we can access it through the back passage, yeah. and you can actually feel one part of the prostate. Now, it's certainly before the days of having fancy MRI scanners or access to scanners. You know, doctors in days gone by would have really relied on that. You know, if you were a GP in the 70s or, or, or 80s, you didn't have a PSA test. You didn't have such easy access to detailed scans. So you had to be good at doing a DRE. You know, it was more bread and butter. And back then, you know, the GP probably would have insisted it was done if a man came or probably just, you know, got on with it and did it because we weren't as good at explaining and talking maybe with people. Um, however, it isn't necessary, you don't have to have it done. It helps us to complete the picture. So I mentioned I've got the clinical history. Hopefully I've got a PSA blood test or I can get one. And if I then do that to feel the prostate, the three things together help me to come up with a much better plan or a safer plan for you. Yeah. But if that bit's missing, it's not the end of the world. You can still have your blood test, I've still got your history and I can still make a fairly informed decision. So I think it's important to put that out there, you know, because I know that probably is one of the biggest things that put men off. Whereas actually, if you really don't want to have it done, you can explain that to your GP and hopefully a, a decent GP will say, fine, you don't have to have it done. This is what I think you should do, but it's up to you. Um, and then you can make a decision in the room. You could always think about it and come back as well, you know. I think that's the key, isn't it? Letting people know. Don't let a few minutes of embarrassment mm. deny you of another 20, 30 years but of being happy. I think you're right. And, and I often say it a little bit like that. You know, I'll be like, look, you know, you, your blood test's normal. I'm not too worried about what you're telling me. However, we haven't examined your prostate. There is a very, very small risk that there could be a cancer there. And there is a small chance that by me feeling it, I will I will pick it up. Something will feel abnormal and I will know. Um, and for a lot of people, people are like, fine, you like you say, 30 seconds of this, it's yeah. done. And if you do opt to have it done, you can have somebody in the room with you. You know, you can have a chaperone. We, we offer chaperone for these exams. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, request a specific doctor that you trust if you want to or a specific gender. You know, th there are options for you. You can come back and have it done at a time that suits you. And it is actually quite quick. It's yeah. not something that takes long. And as you say, actually, it's far more, it's far less uh, painful than discovering you've got prostate cancer that's gone all over your body yeah, 12 yeah. months later.
and that is the big thing. So with a stroke, was it fast? Uh, them them saying face, arm, speed, time. Mm-hmm. It's a lot, lot, lot we can't take, lot with mental health. It's with anything, isn't it? Really, so, soon the, as the we, quicker you get diagnosed, diagnosed but treated, mm-hmm, treated. Because it's like I'm diagnosed, but what we're going to do about mm-hmm. it? Yeah. And it, 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 we need the diagnosis. Boom, we've identified the problem. But now what we're going to do about it? Mm-hmm. That is really important. And it's the same for all cancers. And I think most people know this, you know, the sooner we know about the cancer, the better the chances for that person. So, do, you, do you think with cancer that we've got better at identifying it or just more cancer about it? Because people don't smoke as much, people don't drink as much, people don't eat as much lard. Mm-hmm. But it, I remember when I was a kid, it was one in three or one in five people with cancer. And it's like every other person is going to get it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think to myself, is it the... Oh, no, you can't answer this. This is just an opinion mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm asking. No facts. But is it... Do you think it's like the food we're eating, the water we're drinking, or do you think it's just we're better at finding it? I think there are a combination of factors. I think probably one of the... Again, you're right. I, there probably isn't one straight answer to it. I think the fact that we're getting older is probably the biggest mm. one. Mm. You know... Cancer, by and large, thankfully, is associated with getting older. You know, obviously, sadly, there are young people and children mm. who get cancer. But the longer you live, the more chance you, your cells are going to go haywire and you're going to get cancer. And our population has aged. So a lot of the incidents or increased incidents will be because of that. And and as sad as it is, you know, there are lots of people in their 90s who, who, who get cancer, 80s and 90s, you know. And, and it's not a normal process of ageing, but it is... It's part of that life course, isn't it? Mm. Um, so that's a big one. We also, whilst you're right, I think people, people's well-being's more at the front of their mind and maybe there is less smoking and more healthy living. We've still got a lot of people who came through an age where that wasn't the case, yeah. who are getting older now as well, you know, um, which were much more likely going to have smoked or drunk excessively. So that could push the incidence up too. And I'm not sure we're, uh, in some ways we are healthier and in other ways we aren't. I think there was, there's more people doing laborious jobs than maybe there is now. Mm-hmm. So maybe that tide will turn. Because I know we're the first generation that technically won't, won't outlive our parents' age. Mm-hmm. It's starting to decline, isn't it now? And the obesity has really gone up, hasn't mm, it? That's what I mean, I think. Yeah, it's so... It's... so I, I look when we're going to like Mary Hill or something... And it looks like the average size is a size mm. 16, 18 in women. And you see a lot of, they're either very, very gym buffs or they're very, very overweight. Mm. And you're thinking that there isn't that the average kind of guy or girl. Everyone just seems that bit bigger, either it's muscle or timber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we, that probably does play a role. We, we certainly, our BMIs nationally have gone up a little bit as well. Um, and you're right, you know, some of that is, you know, work generally is more sedentary for most people. Mm. The days of heavy industry are gone. You know, I mean, this is this area is a prime example, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, fifty odd years ago, we'd have all probably worked in heavy heavy industry. That's probably what we'd have ended up doing, yeah. one way or another. Give it the coal, the coal, the steel, yeah, the glass. That's mm. it. You know, um, and they were physical jobs, and they were fraught with lots of industrial exposure, but. We know that physical activity confers a lot of health benefit. Yeah. Um, as well, it's not good sitting around. We didn't evolve to be this way. Um, so I think, yeah, it's probably a complicated answer. And maybe there, there are other factors like, you know, people talk about microplastics and parabens and other things that go on. They probably may p- play a part. I don't know. Mm. So it's, it's interesting. I've learned so much today. Because you, you know bits and bobs about the prostrate, don't you? And you, you roughly know what it does. And but it's good to actually have that kind of information, but not as in, in school, mm-hmm. where you've gone for every vessel and every part. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> I mean, I did, a bit, I did a bit of that, didn't I? I mean, it probably was a bit boring for no, a while. No, no, it's <laughs> interesting. Because it's, in, it's just, you don't know what it is. Do you? No. you know what prostate cancer is. You know yeah. it's a cancer, but you don't actually know where it is and where, what's kind of, even myself, and like I said, my dad was diagnosed, but... I didn't research to find out kind of what it is no. um, and how it affects you. And I certainly didn't know that I'm at more at risk now because he's had it. No. So it's, you know, yeah. knowing stuff like that. And knowing that, I was, one of my questions was going to be, well, can I get checked previous to, to that? But it seems like the risk is that slim up until I'm 50. That it's, unless basically I show symptoms, there's no reason to get tested. Not necessarily, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, 
the common sense approach is good. I think I, I often think when I come on to talk about things, you don't, I don't want to frighten people. I think mm. it's very easy for us to get anxious about our health as it is yeah. to get anxious about many things. And, you know, you can sometimes listen to something like that and come away, you know, thinking you've got everything. I often joke with my patients, they'll be like, I Googled it, I knew I shouldn't have. <laughs> and I'm like, Google's got you dead and buried in three clicks when you go to your health. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and it has, you know, yeah. it's very easy to be like, oh my God, worst mm. case scenario. Yeah. Um, I can say sometimes that's not a bad thing either because it might actually make you go and get checked. Yeah, that is. That Whereas is... if it said, ah, no, you're absolutely fine, you'll be fine. You'd <laughs> yeah. go, well, well, I won't get checked then. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I think. It, you know, we spoke about balance a lot, haven't we? But yeah. it, it, it's if you're concerned, obviously going to speak to GP is absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that um, at any age, really. You know, mm. it, it can be an educational consultation and hopefully you'll come away reassured. I mean, in your, if you don't mind using you as a specific no, example, because it's quite useful. Um, I presume that you're, you're under 50. We don't want you have yeah, I'm under 50. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nearly 40, but under 50, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it's unlikely that you've got a problem. But if mm. there were any sort of issues with your water, it seems something niggled, something that had changed, then I would go and see your GP about that in light of that risk and make yeah. make the GP aware. They should ask, but they might not. If they're having a bad day or running behind, yeah. you know, just be like, look, my dad, my dad's got prostate cancer and I'm a bit worried about my own risk. Mm. Um, it's reasonable because actually that GP is probably going to more likely think, do you know what, we will do a PSA, let's find out. Especially if I was under that age of 15 was having the yeah. symptoms. Oh, yeah, it, it wouldn't initially come to to come to that, would yeah, it? Yeah, you'd probably think, you know, 40-year-old guy walking in, 45-year-old guy, or, you know, probably just a bit worried about it. But mm. actually, that throwing that information in yeah. would make a difference. And, and I think it's important that people are aware of that because... It's not, you know, not all risks are the same. And I didn't mention as well that if you are a man who's got um, a female first degree relative, so a mother or a sister who had breast cancer due to the uh, BRCA1 gene, that pushes your risk up a little bit as well. Right. Of prostate or breast cancer. So, of, of prostate. But people forget the men can have breast cancer as well, don't they? Yeah, they can. Yeah. They, and, and I think even us as clinicians wouldn't think about it at all. You know, I think. If a man said they had like pain in their in their pec muscle or something like that, or in not pec, well, I like to say minor pec muscles, but <laughs> like um, yeah, you know, they you wouldn't necessarily think of that straight away, and you might not even do the same sort of exam that you do on a woman. Mm. But men can get breast cancer, and sadly, again, as we were saying with cancers, it's often too late. You know, if you've been embarrassed to go to mm. your doctor's over some symptom and left it too long that cancer becomes so much harder to treat and often isn't curable. And isn't it funny, I'll repeat myself, but like embarrassment, pride, embarrassment, it's a killer that hasn't got to be the killer, has it? Because at the end of the day, who gives a monkey's about it? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It, I think I, you work it up worse in your head do. than it's going to be, don't you? I, I remember I had a testicle infection. And my test score got bigger and bigger. And body and it saws my fish. I was going, oh, I can't go to the doctor, I can't go to the doctors. Um, and eventually, uh, I almost died. The, the, the poison had gone from my testicle into my blood, and I had to be rushing to hospital. And they said, We're going to lose you. They said to my mum, Oh, we're going to lose him. And I was thinking, and after that day, I thought, What is he going to eat a couple of pounds? I'm dropping my kegs in. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking, So why aren't I allowed? <laughs> yeah. And you're thinking, Boy, but I've been you should just had a couple of pints before you went in. But you're thinking, but you talk to people and people go, I've had one of them, you know, or really, or anything in with all of the world has got more bits and bobs, <laughs> you know what I mean? So they've got as much chance of them getting it as I've got it and vice versa. The problem is it's like mental health. It's not talked about enough no, that people go for those tests, you know, and, it's. And it's like um, colon cancer. It's like breast cancer, but people like boobies or people like, <laughs> people don't like the thought of it ha affecting their willies mm. and, yeah. Their manhood and will it do this? And are you thinking it's not your fault? Mm. It is what it is. You just want to look at it to what's happened to, but you're still you, wouldn't you? I listen to man. It's just mm. Mm -hmm. you. You fell on the wrong side of the coin. Mm. Yeah, it, and I'm guilty of being embarrassed as well. You know, I don't mind admitting it. I mean, the, the bonus I've got is I have some medical knowledge. And I'm mm. just grab me off the street <laughs> but you know so if I, if I got a symptom you know in my head I can probably rationalize it and make my own decision but I understand like you say actually if you've got a, a symptom down below in your genitals or somewhere else 
you're naturally embarrassed aren't you i yeah. think we're almost taught to be like that and you're much more likely going to put it off yeah um but the only reassurance i can say is as i say it's quite bread and butter for us actually mm. it really really is i kind of emphasize that enough you know it really seeing that on on a gp's list wouldn't it you wouldn't flinch at it it's just part of what we do and, and we're very used to doing it and don't be ashamed of coming in and saying if you feel embarrassed say how you feel mm. it's fine you know some people are some people aren't um but don't be afraid to say actually you know it, it makes it easy for me if somebody comes to me and says i'm really embarrassed about this and i'm really uncomfortable i'm like fine you know what i mean take your time mm. it's going to be okay to tell me as much or as little as you want you know and, and hopefully people feel at ease and think oh he's all right i can say it. it's going to be fine and you just work through it because also embarrassment is a very natural emotion mm -hmm. so is fear yeah you know what i mean you know they're very natural emotions in if you're mike tyson or ali g mm -hmm. you know what i mean ali g gets embarrassed mike tyson gets frightened mm -hmm. it's very natural you know every single person on the planet has felt them two emotions so you're not different on there either. No, and we just don't always show them or talk about them, as you said. But when it comes to intimate examination, you don't have to have these things. Yes, it helps us as doctors. I think I said, you know, the three things with the prostate, it's good to have. But we're not going to force you to do it. You know, if you come in and give me a history and, and I want to examine you, I'll ask you. I'll be like, this is what I'd like to do. If you're like, I can't do that. We have to find a way around that. Mm -hmm. you know, it might be something quite blunt. There might be times where we're like, look, on this occasion, I think it is really important that I do examine you. We could miss something like blah, blah, blah. Mm. However, that's up to you. That's your decision to make. If you want to go away and think about it, you can rebook. Yeah. You know, um, but at the same time, sometimes we wouldn't need to necessarily do it at all. So don't, don't let that be the, the thing that puts you off. off yeah. So do you think Movember has brought more attention or is it just give blokes excuses to grab moustaches? <laughs> what are you trying to say is that good? Was that really a moustache? Um, I think these things have brought attention actually. Um, they often don't always do exactly what you'd hope they'd do. I mean, I don't know the full, you know, background to November, but I think it is a good thing. It becomes a talking point, doesn't it? Yeah. And as you well, say, you wouldn't be sitting here now talking about it if it wasn't, would you? Absolutely. You know, that's the whole yeah. thing. So I think it does, doesn't it? It brings it to, it brings it to yeah. the forefront and it brings out important conversations like, like we're having that, you know, um, these things do happen. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do have to get checked for them and the, and, after you explain it, the check is not as scary as what you'd yeah. imagine. Yeah. It often know. isn't. And, and most of the time, you know, most things turn out to be something and nothing. You mm. know, they really, really do. Because um, that can be the other thing that puts people off. It isn't just that shame and embarrassment side. Mm. Some people are genuinely like, well, what if it is cancer? That's a, mm. you know, that's yeah. a much in, bigger You know, thing. It's when my dad got di his diagnosis, it's, it's give him a bit of a mental breakdown, to be quite honest. Yeah. And it, it, I don't like saying it turned out to be nothing. But it's turned out to be something that's not going to affect his quality of life at all. Yeah. And like you said, he's actually more likely to out, outlive it, basically, yeah. than it's yeah. something else more likely before that. And you don't realise that because you hear cancer mm. and it's dread, isn't it? Mm. You know. And then it's the chemo. Oh, God, I'll never have that chemo. And it's all that I'll lose mm. me air. Mm. And oh, I won't have to work. And if I don't work, then what's going to happen to you? And it's, yeah. you're down the rabbit hole then, isn't you? Yeah. 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 And we know that, you know, it's human nature, isn't it? When something starts to panic, you become overwhelmed and you start to catastrophize and you start to think about the bigger picture instead of actually bringing it back down. Mm. Um, you know, I, I used to sort of work at the university years ago and, and help facilitate exams. And you'd very rarely see, but you'd see a student who'd come in, who'd open their exam paper and they you could tell they didn't understand the first question. So they look at the next one and the next one, and all of a sudden they're frantically going to think, I can't answer any, any of this mm. instead of taking it step by step. And like you say, if you've got donors with cancer, yes, it is an absolutely devastating moment for people. But it is important not to think about absolutely everything, all of these eventual outcomes. We talk about this in addiction as well. It's like you're not thinking about never having that drink for your whole life, you're thinking about not having that drink today. Mm. Not having yeah. that drink in an hour, let's yeah. take it step by yeah. step. And that's all it is mm. because actually life is in bite-sized chunks. You know, we don't know what fate's got in store for us half the time. So there's no point looking too far ahead sometimes mm. anyway. I think that's really important because you, if you spoke to someone who's addicted to alcohol now and, and said in, in 10 years time, you're not going to be addictive, they probably won't believe you. Mm -hmm. 
but actually through doing it step by step they get to that 10 year mark so you mean in 10 years time at my daughter's 18th birthday party i won't be able to have a glass of and you go well that's 10 years away but mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean hey but we just get today done <laughs> done you know what mm. i mean day by day and i think that's important isn't it if you i've got a symptom and you're worried about it and it, it's human nature to go into denial sometimes because actually if you ignore it you hope that it's going to go away hope it's going to be nothing but if you've done a couple of weeks of ignoring that is the sort of time that actually you have you have got to talk to somebody if you don't feel able to talk to your gp talk to a mate who you trust mm. you know you've just shared an experience a lot of people have got experiences they might not have shared with their mates yeah and as I said, they might turn around and be like, oh, I had that and I went to my GP, it was fine. Yeah. And just the fact that your mate went through it makes you feel okay, yeah. you know. But it is good to share and open up and realise that actually we're all pretty much the same. We all have the same hopes and fears. Yeah. Um, and we can all go into denial when we get a symptom. Hopes and fears and bits and bobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like the title of a book, doesn't what it? Else you can, if that ain't a number one hit, I don't know what it is. <laughs> We could do a series of books if all else failed. It's November for next year, that is the song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've also got a one hit wonder, one song that'll last me all my life, you know, even Christmas number one or a world cut, but yeah. that one hit wonder, that's enough for me. <laughs> but, but on that note, <laughs> on that bombshell, we, uh, next Tuesday, we're joined by a very, very good friend of mine. He's already been on once. He come on with Warren Davis. And that's Mad Pete Upton uh, from the Priory Park Boxing Club. Is we're talking about him having cancer, uh, boxing and singing. He's just one of my favourite men in the game. So I look forward to seeing Pete next week. So, Lloyd, as we always love to end, have you quotes or sayings that have helped you get through life? Don't just use my little catchphrase then. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, I do actually. Um, I often sometimes say to myself, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, your own little internal monologue. Yeah. If I'm a bit stressed and I feel that all of the things I've got to do are insurmountable, I'm just like, I've just got to chip away at it a bit at a time. It's, I'll get there. It'll be fine. I mean, I like to think that I'm that zen, but really, I'm probably just <laughs> swearing and crashing around. <laughs> that'll do, and that'll do. Don't worry about that. And we'll sort that out later. <laughs> but it's all good at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, thank you, brother, for coming back on. Um, so, guys, thank you for listening. I want you all to take care of yourselves and each other. Tara a bit. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you would like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta a bit. Listen, listen, listen.